welcome to the Crash Course Podcast. Um, we'll uh, jump right into what, I've, what we've been listening to this week, um, what's in our headphones. Uh, for me, I did a lot of listening to the new Benfold 5. I'm actually quite hooked on it. Um, I truly enjoy it. Noticing uh, lyrics, actually, that were very funny that I hadn't noticed in the past. Like in um, Erase Me, um, there's a lyric in the pre-course that says, uh, Don't be like a bro and tase me, which I missed the first listen. Which I love now that I hear it. Um, uh, that was really it for me this week. I mostly listened to that. I'm still listening to Hooperstank a little bit, but it's mostly been getting to know the uh, new Benfold 5. Hmm. Well, I was in a wedding in Texas where you'd think that would be followed by a lot of country music, but surprisingly not. Went to a bar, played a lot of New York-style rap there. Very interesting. That's different. And... Um, most of the driving around with my rambunctious crew of groomsmen scattered throughout the country uh, consisted of a lot of Daft Punk. So I have like a resurgence of of uh, interest in Daft Punk. I'll probably be going through their discography again. I've been listening to, actually, a little bit of Daft Punk here and there. I've been listening to a lot of uh, club music again, trans techno. I, I've been working overtime. So I haven't had much of a chance to pay attention to anything. So mostly I've just been listening to the background music. The stuff I really don't have to pay attention to. That's funny because Daft Punk is the kind of thing that pumps you up for something. Yeah, but it's you, not the kind of thing like, yeah, it's just been at work. But you don't <laughs> you don't have to pay too much attention to it by comparison. Like you're not True, it is it is passive. It's like you can listen to it in the background. And at, but at the same time I've been listening to Muse's old stuff, getting prepared for today's album. Yeah. Um I just want to talk a little bit about, I was at uh, Comic-Con this past weekend, the mm. past four days. Um, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, it was definitely more crowded than last year's New York Comic-Con, but I had a great experience that I'm going to write more about in my article that's to come hopefully before week's end. Um, anyone who had four-day four press, press passes or four-day pro passes or just plain four-day passes um, were gotten free to a Benfold 5 concert. And it was just them, nobody else. Um, so I got to go with Mary. And uh, they were, of course, introduced by Chris Hardwick, who uh, helped produce and make their newest music video, their Fraggle video. So he brought them out on stage. And they, uh, they performed um, a good amount of stuff from the new album, at least four or five tracks. And then they played some older stuff that I'd never heard before that I really liked. They, of course, played Brick, and uh, they played Do It Anyway. Um, and then... During the right before the encore, Ben Folds Five didn't, or Ben Folds specifically, didn't know he had more time on stage for like more songs. So he just ran out really quick and started playing Hava Nagila <laughs> on the piano and singing it, which was amusing. And then the stage manager signaled that the rest of the band could come out. So they came out and played a few more songs. Um, it was a fantastic show. One of those bands that you definitely don't hear a difference between the record and the and the live stuff they record exactly how they sound and it was fantastic it was a ton of fun yeah ben folds must have been a fun guy to have at parties like back in his youth (laughs) he's very charismatic and he's very funny he's got a great sense of humor about himself like he talks about he talked about how there were two big screens on the sides of the stage and he kept glancing himself glancing over looking at himself and admiring himself in the screen and getting distracted Mm. and then he said it would pan to the crowd and he'd get starstruck because he'd see batman in the crowd Um, being at Comic-Con, but he was, he was very funny and it was definitely a great show. Um, I also got to see on, I think it was Saturday, um, a mutual friend of mine, his friend, uh, plays chiptune music on two Game Boys, actually a Game Boy and a Game Boy Color. And so he, I got to see him perform for about a half hour on the Saturday at one of the side booths. And uh, that was a lot of fun. I like chiptune music because I think it's really interesting how you ha- use this technology that's for video games, and oh, you yeah. can create music from it. And it's it's I think it's so brilliantly done. At some point, we should do a chiptune album. I do. I want to do an Anamunaguchi album, maybe, or may- I-, I have hopes in the future to have um, uh, the gentleman's name was Chris. I-, I hope to have him on the podcast as a guest. So maybe if he comes on, he can recommend some stuff. Just imagine that, like actually reviewing the album arc and individual little aspects of the song itself when there's only like three instruments, three little synthesized sounds. Yeah. You've got your bass, your treble, and your mid. The, there, but there is a lot of diversity you can do with those sounds, actually. Incredible amount. I mean, yeah. you know, just uh, <laughs> look at the permutations. <laughs> um, I also did get to meet a few people at Comic-Con, which was fun. Um, uh, one really cool thing was I got to meet Ken Levine one of the creative minds behind Bioshock, and I actually got to tell him about our future idea to 
talk about the music of Bioshock, so which he thought was very cool. Which will also be coming, music and video games. Yeah. And uh, I also, of course, got to meet one of my idols, Rob Paulson, who provides the voice of Pinky and Yakko, sang, of course, the country song and, uh, you know, has done so much music. He sang the theme for the Mask cartoon, so he's very musically inclined. It was very cool to meet him and talk to him. But uh, I'll have a full write-up on this and, and, and more people that I've met and talked to, as, long, as well as other events and strange things that are at this year's Comic-Con. So I uh, look forward to that coming up soon. But uh, now we'll go into our first album review of the week that's a mutual decision. Um, this was an album that we had all been talking about for quite some time and looking forward to, so we decided it wouldn't really count as someone's pick because we all really want to review it. And that's, of course, uh, Muse's new album, The Second Law. We've been looking for this for a while, ever since we uh, heard uh, Unsustainable, well, saw the video for Unsustainable and heard it. It's probably like over a month ago now. Or something yeah, like that. it was a wild deck. This, is, this has been on the uh, on the board for quite a while, and so uh, I'm I'm really excited to get right into this. So let's just dive right in. Um, track one was called Supremacy. Um, to me, it seemed very cinematic, which you come to expect from Muse. Uh, it's, a, got, it's a typical opening. Yeah, it Muse. felt very much like an opening credits track to like a high octane movie, you know, or this kind of you know, you know, this thing you would expect to see opening credits scrolling over. Um, it had a heartbeat marching theme to it it was uh in the drums and the bass work uh the vocals actually lost me well, lost a little bit of the power of the actual musical instruments but it picks it back up it wasn't it wasn't a hundred percent there but it was a pretty good intro track <clears throat> yeah i it's, it's exactly what i said it's kind of standard for them um it, it, it came in and out a little bit i i wasn't super impressed by it but you know what it well, was it was intro. Muse in general has this very epic nature to their work, or at least they've acquired this over the years. They used to be a little bit more in the um, post-punk, uh, I say that very, very loosely. They're kind of a league of their own, but they were discernibly, they were certainly rock the, the fir- beforehand. The, their first album was clearly, like especially Hysteria and a couple other songs, were clearly a new metal kind of sound, like that n- early 2000s metal, punk, rock kind of fusion. I wouldn't go so, so far to say metal, but yes, it's heavier. Well, new metal. Heavier. Well, new metal wasn't as heavy as metal, but it had those, you know, kind of heavy synthesizer and right. this hard, hard guitar and hard drum, and they definitely had that. It has some elements of that. Yes. Yeah, but um. But yeah, then at some point, you know, they gradually put in dribs of drabs of uh, sort of classical composition. Very cinematic, everything, uh, you can sort of imagine a story to it behind it. So I think everybody knew with this album coming out, everyone was going to expect a little bit of that. Because, um, first of all, it should be said that they were their own producer here. There was no producer for this album. Muse produced it. So that gives them a lot more control over their own work. Which means that I think they kind of decided to just go dive headfirst into this whole epic thing and it's definitely clear in the first track and they did they did that great in the second track as well madness madness is still holds as my favorite track even after listening to the whole album i just really liked how unique it was from everything else it had a great sound strong guitar solo in it um, um and great mixing this was definitely an a, a, a an example of great production work this had a a solid techno beatbox set up for um the uh, the drum work the yeah, a bit of bass a work yeah no it, was, going it had wub wub going but it was it was an example of great electronic mixing I love that you both said it had wub wub in it with a straight face like it's suddenly <laughs> we revert into child like a child speak and then come back I, I think, I think we're, yeah it's actually entered the uh, the lingo I know it's, it's well just no funny. it's actually a terminology meaning a I, I get yeah. that. Which is wub wub. <laughs> but it's just very funny very, to hear. Very, very tasteful, though. It was. It really was just the bass, yeah. actually. And you can see that in the performance I saw. Uh, this was actually, If anybody watched SNL on October 13th, um, they were featured. And they included this song as well as the next song, Panic Station. Um, and you can see it performed. It's a very interesting bass. It actually utilizes sort of a touchscreen uh, slide. And that's how the, bass, um, the bassist actually creates the wub wub right there on stage. Sort of interesting. Tasteful, though. Slower paced. Not to get completely off track, but I kind of wondered when that was going to break into the mainstream. Electronic instruments that no longer require strings. Because it's doable to create a guitar sound out of a keyboard, so 
how long before they start selling stringless guitars that it's just a computer screen and you tap to, to produce the sounds? It's literally that. It's a... The... I mean, for anybody that knows the bass, it's this that he taps the screen and then slides it to create those last couple of notes. It, and he just does that over and over and over again. That's never going to replace a guitar. I don't think it'll replace it, but I'm just curious when it'll become mainstream as an instrument. No, I, I honestly, I wouldn't. I cannot say that it'll ever become mainstream. Well, consider this: it is kind of tactile. You have a lot more control if you can That's just simply true. slide on it. Yeah. So I bet that would give them a lot more control. But I think I, it would, but it would be for a very specific sound. I don't think it would ever. Yeah, you cannot, you forth. cannot actually properly replicate uh, what a guitar will do with anything electronic. And it'll the simply, phys- be, it'll simply be different. Yeah, yeah. So, well, and yeah. I mean, they, that's like the the electric drum sets are but, never replace regular drum sets because you will not be able to reproduce the nuances that a true string will give you. A guitar that's an electronic guitar, like an electronic drum or electronic bass, is going to produce specific noises specific chords and notes. You cannot change that. Or if you change it, you can't change it on the fly as if you were working with a guitar. No, that's true. I mean, you, you'll never get the same sound out of an acoustic guitar exactly like an electric guitar. Like, the they fa- are the very fact different is, instruments. With outside of synthesizers, we've had almost the same uh, instruments, the same montage of instruments for the past hundred years. The same repertoire, right? And I'm just waiting for when something new is going to come out. Just think right. about that. Like orchestral instruments, not a single instrument has changed since like 1890. But this is all pretty off track here. I think yeah. we'll get time to talk about the um, the future of creating music some other time. Uh, so we went from the, the the mellowness of madness, which had a very princey style mellowness, into the funk of Panic Station, um, a great instrumental, well produced, fun time. Uh, I, I really did enjoy Panic Station. I felt it was a good follow-up for Madness. And also, at this point, I was completely 100% on board with the arc of this album. So far, I thought yeah. those were that was a good transition. Because Madness sort of had this uh, slow, almost modern slow dance to it, yeah. in a way. And then Panic Station just drops the funk oh, yeah. right on you. And it was that's a ton been, of fun. That's been stuck in my head. That was also in the uh, SNL episode, by the way. And uh, it's been stuck in my head for a week. Yeah, uh, Panic Station, all I wrote for it was fun, because it was just a really fun song. It was something that you come to express. Muse always has those kind of fun, funky songs, but this one was really funky for Muse, and I liked it. it I thought it was a solid direction. I thought it was a great arc and follow-up to Madness and, and Supremacy. I thought they three of them fit really well together. And, and, and then they... Did something. Yeah, for some reason... Don't you, downplay it, because I do love Prelude, but at this point, we have a lot to say about Ark. So, yeah, uh, unfortunately, Muse thought it would be a great idea that on the fourth track to hit the reset button already, and that's yeah. clearly what Prelude is. Prelude is a great one-minute classical track, well-composed, beautiful, but it's an intro track. It and could it's, have been the intro to a, a, a magnificent film. The only problem is that this is the fourth track in an album what exactly are they hoping to start at this point? It just seemed like an odd place to break it up. Yeah. I would even go as far to say that I found it as to be uh, uninventive, even for an orchestra piece. I mean, it was it was kind of boring. Oh, come on. I disagree. And I've listened to quite a bit. I'm not versed in classical music by any stretch of the term. But I have heard. This is not even classical. Plenty. It's simply orchestral. Yeah. That's it. Okay. Absolutely. Classical does not mean orchestral. I, okay. It's cinematic. That's what it is. But even that, I found it to be kind of just boring. Especially going from Panic Station to that, it was. I it can't. Was I can't speak for you 100. percent But I might. Uh, I might guess that that could be because of its placement of this album. I Maybe think you had. It... I think you had no context with which to get a meaning from it. And, if and that's were, my problem with it. Yeah. And that, well, it was, that he had no place on this album, or no place as the fourth track. It could have replaced Supremacy, in my opinion. And and you know what? I was hoping it was setting up the next See, I don't the think, next track, and it really didn't either. I, I don't think a weird transition. I don't right think there. it could have replaced Supremacy. I feel like what you had said earlier, if you cut off Supremacy and Madness and Panic and just started with Prelude, it'd be fine. But if you put it before Madness, I don't think it would have fit. I just don't think... Or put it even in front of Supremacy, I don't just, think it would have No, fit. it would have required a lot of yeah. other shifting around. I'm just saying it could have opened this album, and then yeah. they would have had to think and, of something else to follow that, and, and so but, forth. But be that as it may, That's for the me... That's but, but not do. Okay, then you're saying that it, it, it doesn't really work quite where it is. It doesn't work... It just still needs to be worked upon with something else in order to go in front. This is an right. actual I, track. I, I'm defending it on the grounds that it's just a beautiful idea. But it is a snapshot that I have nothing to, to for, associate it with. Okay, so for a minute, this is actually a useless track. 
in it does place. nothing but exist. It does nothing to the album entitled The Second Law. No, it yeah. really doesn't, sadly. So, okay. Um, but then it leads into a very... and it, It's a bizarre choice, but it leads into a, a, the next song, track five, is Survival. And this is just a very happy-go-lucky track in sound. Lyrics are not as much, but, but definitely the sound and the performance is very kind of like happy-go-lucky into this kind of grandiose kind of song. And it just... It didn't really follow up Prelude very well, because Prelude was this beautiful kind of slow piece, and it, it just really, seemed very disjointed. It was, really, it was kooky. Okay. So kooky. We yes. have, well, I have a lot to say in this piece, because it's um, it's it's like a musical, kind of. I, I gotta say Choreographical. this. Okay, this wasn't a happy-go-lucky piece. It was a little upbeat in the music. The lyrics were quite dark and quite... Um, Mean, dangerous I, in style. I'm, I'm this was bordering, bordering on calling it an avant-garde piece, to be honest. And it felt like the it, honestly the music, the low ver of the locals, uh, locals, the vocals, and or lyrics, uh, two separate words, were just so divorced from the actual music. It felt like nothing almost. I can't go that far. I think there was. This was. It's definitely planned to work in tandem, and I think it achieved that. My problem with this is the same problem I have with a lot of other tracks on this, including Prelude, and that's simply that it had no place. It did not follow up Prelude well, and it's so, it's so, it's almost awkward in place of the in the place of this album because the thing that is immediately going to take you by surprise, which is rare for even Muse, is the background chorus work. Yeah, the uh, the males versus the females. They brought that in and uh and it's gonna it's it's definitely the thing that i um think will jar a lot of people and turn them away as did john and i think that like also it's so weird because like like track six through nine as a grouping of four i mean they still are kind of out of place but together they're kind of they play off each other whereas survival kind of doesn't really fit with them that much it's just i mean maybe in message but but that's a stretch because again it's just it's such a confusing song. And and the worst part is, so Supremacy, Madness, and Panic Station, I start to f- get a sense emotionally for this album. I'm, they're building to this thing, and I'm f- I'm feeling a little bit... The Prelude is just so jarring in difference from the rest of the album, and kind of a reset button that I, I kind of don't know where to go emotionally with that. And then Survival is just so out of left field. You know what I'm going to even go as far as to say? Survival is another reset button. Yeah. Because it, because of that musical aspect it has at the beginning, you know, the piano going into dun, 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 it's it's setting you up for something. It's been done in a lot of musicals before, and it's just it's a, if prelude is a prelude, that means that the beginning has to follow it again. So I'm supposed to expect that the beginning of the album is supposed to start at the fifth track. What did the previous stuff mean then? You know, well, a survival. Honestly, I it just felt pretentious. It felt like this was starting where Muse Muse knows it, it does epic. It knows they do epic. And they felt like, oh, here's epic. Here, enjoy. And it, it, it fell short. It felt very short uh, on the scale of 1 to 10. Because it, it seems like Muse is stopping making actual songs and just going for epic over and over again. Now, Supremacy was a little short with that. Madness did almost reach there. Panic Station was a nice follow-up. Prelude wasn't. Survival wasn't. Follow Me, next track, was another one of those songs. It just did not hit epic. And it tried. It tried very hard. It had this 1980s intro that was kind of uneventful and unenticing. Uh, It had techno complimenting the song later on, which did bring it back up, but it just didn't work. Yeah, pretty much. Uh... Well, I don't know. I don't have much more to say. On it, it's again, it's poor placement. There's so many tracks on this, on this album that felt like they could have been albums of their own. Yeah, there was definitely like it's what, definitely what do they very disjointed. Do, do they want to do a musical? Do they want to do a space odyssey? Yeah. <laughs> do they want to do a um, a torrid romantic love story? I, I I can't I can't pin it down. Then then follow me comes next after survival, which is the first of a grouping of songs that. Played off each other okay, but still kind of lost in this huge sea of an album. And I don't really even have any, that much written about Follow Me. It was very forgettable. It, it was, was a, very. It felt almost filler. Uh-huh. It, it honestly, Follow Me, Animals, Explorers, Big Freeze. These four songs, the core of the album, felt filler. F- 
felt preachy. Felt like they thought they were doing amazing okay, I, songs. I, I definitely got the preachy vibe. Yeah. They Muse thought they were doing these amazing songs and wanted everybody to hear them, and right. they fell flat but and that's, short. That's that's the thing. I think placement is the reason for this, and and. Because I, I can't I can't argue with the material itself. The material itself, I really do think they're amazing composers. I think they can put together whatever they want. I just think that they lack the fully formed idea. They don't know what order to put it in. They don't know how to how to deliver it. They, yeah, they do but know their they instruments. Have, they know how to make music. They don't, they don't just know their instruments. They're very they know, they know smart. How to, they know how to layer. They know how to... Again, that, that's one of the reasons why I keep promoting Prelude. is Because I thought that, that little minute of, of orchestral material right there... That defines everything that Muse has the capability of, but that's what they fall short on. They yeah. don't fall short in the music with, itself. With so the, I, I can't even call Follow Me and Animals filler. Animals? Oh, God. Animals just felt like filler. I get it. it how could you call something filler on an album that is so disjointed anyway? I don't even have the context to yeah, call it filler. I, it felt like it was a song they wrote ten years ago and just never got around to finishing. But, but that, <laughs> that's what know. it really I, did. No, I don't know about that. I don't know I, about I, that either. I disagree with that. And I don't think. And that, it was boring. I, I think that you're using the wrong. No, no. I think you're using the wrong term. I don't think filler. I think you mean more like solace. I think you. No, were, really? Actually, no. I feel like this song was thrown in to add a track. No, I disagree. But again, filler is a word that I use on albums that otherwise would be fully formed projects. Right. And then I notice a couple of songs in the middle that don't really contribute to the whole that well. But there, if there is no whole, I can't call this filler. That's my disagreement as well. So I just, I don't feel like there's enough of a thing to be filler for the thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What? I mean, that's simply like, when we say that this is disjointed and this is disjointed, and then we say also the songs after it are filler, like, it just... It, the whole thing okay. is filler. Then. Yeah, at, at that point, the whole album might as well be filler. Uh, then I will say... With with one, two, three tracks, I'd say the whole album filler. Filler. Okay, so if this, so if this was like a, it's if this was like a like a jelly filled donut, and the jelly is your filler. Then I just got a big handful of jelly. Yeah, I got no bread. With a little bit of bread on uh, little yeah, little crumbs bit, of bread. Crumbs in of bread. That's yeah. a that, crumbs. That's fair. That's a fair assessment. We're then. gonna go Which with that got, analogy. No, yeah. no, you got the tasty part. You got the interesting music. You got the uh, uh, interesting composition. All right, you got you have that, but there's just nothing around it that makes it a package. It's just here's something awesome. It's incomplete. Yeah, it's such. It, this jelly is so sweet. Yeah, so but sweet. You wanted a donut. You didn't. You didn't want yeah. a pile of jelly sticky, making your hands all messy. Yeah. Which is what this this feels. This is really a messy album. I was gonna sit here and be um, proud of that metaphor. I think and really <laughs> follow me, survival. Follow me, animals. Explores. Explores was I found to be a very boring. Track that I felt like I, I, I do think that it was, was you was, too. It was one of the duller ones. Yeah, I yeah. And I, then big uh, main free uh, blah, 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 big yeah, freeze, yeah, 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 big yeah, freeze. Yeah, yeah. That I'm was definitely an arena rock song, hands down. This yeah, big, you, you, you jumped, big you jumped the gun on you two a bit. Big freeze yeah. was you two. Like this is a big voice. arena rock. Let's bring everybody together song. And there was a message going throughout all these songs, and that message it was like save the planet. Yeah. Save the planet. It's the and planet. it was... Or it's too late to save the planet. Because yeah. it had a little bit depressing in that. Like, it almost seemed political at first, but it, then it was just so broad that it couldn't even be political. Yeah. It was no, just, it was political. It was, but it's also save the planet. Like, we're all screwed, save the planet. <laughs> but there were parts. <laughs> no, you gotta look at it. The, there's a little bit here. Like, in, especially in Explorers. Explorers was calling out things like uh, uh, fossil fuel usage and big business. They were doing that. And honestly, I like Muse because they do something fantastical that's glorious. They don't do political music. There's something where you can yeah, lose there, a lot there, of audience with that. There was something that. that was fairly humble about them until until this album, I guess. I do want to say, because I forgot to say it at the beginning, but this album, so and especially at this point, having listened to it, um, was definitely, I called it a U, U2 in a modern era. They, they definitely are going for this big rock band, larger than life kind of sound. Within their style, but his vocals, hands down, sound very much like Bono. But they also, like a lot of the... The build of the songs felt very much like Queen or Bowie or we, we Prince. Got, I heard a lot of Bowie because of the sort of, you know, I got sort of a space space odyssey feel of, of the middle of this album, right. and I, you know, I I guess follow follow me and uh, and Al and animals, maybe explorers too. I think those three might be the closest to a theme that I could get from this whole album. Like those three might work on the same album, but the rest do not. The rest's 
belong in different places on yeah. different albums. Yeah. Moving on from Big Freeze, though, we come to one of the more beautiful tracks on the record, Save Me. Oh, yeah. Save Me was a, uh, had great synth work, and it was perfectly placed for the album if there was a hole. Like, I mean, it's so hard to say perfectly placed now, the, and then after the fact. You can't even say that, because it, too, it's another song on another yeah. album. But this is a whole, what I liked about this is it's a whole different side of Muse. Yeah. Because, you know, I've seen Save the Planet before. I've seen them do Epic. I've seen them do Space Odyssey. I, yeah. I have not seen them do something so, so gritty and, and personal as yeah. Save Me. It, there, there was something about it that really did reach me, like... But, no. but again, was, I got I, no context for that. If, it's if, just, by itself, it worked. If there was a song to make me respond emotionally, besides uh, Madness, it was definitely Save Me. But again, it's one of those songs where it's building this... You're starting to get this feel for this album again, and then the follow-up is just disappointing, and, and it's nothing. I think well, that even, was a horrible follow-up, Liquid yeah. State, to, to Save Me. No, 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 no. Well, I gotta nitpick a few things on Save, save Me. First... Well, it was a solid, beautiful song. I don't feel like it actually completed itself. Oh, I feel we like did, it... we did have a couple of flowing issues there. Uh, I definitely the and... the B section of the song, as it were, was was a bit jarring. It, it, it sort of jumps in, but I could accept that because the retransition back into section A within Save Me, I thought was absolutely gorgeous. But at I... that point, they made me believe it made sense. I found the song to be incomplete as a whole. It 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 didn't. Qu- I didn't know how to feel by the end of it. It was pretty, but I didn't know, like, I wanted more, and I wanted it to be finished. Not just wanting to hear more I, of the song. I think it was enigmatic, is what it was. You, you may not know how to feel, but I like that it was something so unique that I wasn't sure how to feel. I just know it felt something. But I can understand the incomplete sense, because, like, I feel like if Liquid State connected better to it, you might have felt now, see, that the, it was more complete. But I, Liquid yeah. State was rock hard with no emotional connection. It was heavy and hard, it was very metal, very, and it, it's guitar and drum especially fast and, and, and loud. And That's all my point is, really, is just that Liquid State, it, it's the context that ruined to save me for you. No, and Liquid State had its own problems. On top of that, yeah, yeah. Liquid well, State. Of, co- had... of course, Liquid State. No, I, I, I'm talking about Save Me. Save Me is the one. Oh, like Liquid oh, State. Liquid State. It's the context is the reason why Save Me was ruined for you. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think uh, yeah, maybe, I think that... but I still, I don't know because we did actually, I did pause Save Me before we went into Liquid State, and we kind of like passed through it, and I still felt the same way. I don't know. Maybe if they had something that followed it that completed it. See, yeah, yeah there maybe, you go. Maybe yes. Yeah, Liquid State did hurt it. Yeah, well, Liquid State hurt it, hurt the album as a whole. Absolutely, I they, they threw like... themselves back to Epic. Yeah, and, and but it, it, it just it, didn't it, make it. Yeah, it didn't. It it was it was all very short. The chorus had this weird instrumentation that was diver, uh, diverted from the rest of the actual album. It was jarring. It was unsavory. I did feel that they got a little bit serious at the end of this album here, uh, starting with Liquid State. Because yeah. everything up until here had almost been a little bit kooky because it was jumping around from place to place and place and couldn't really decide what it was. There's something about Liquid State that just felt a little more like, we're going to break it down now for you, even though they don't. <laughs> yeah. Weird. Yeah, I can see that. Maybe. Yeah. But that's, I think that's attributing a theme to this that doesn't even exist yet. Let's put it this way. I, I, I call it the absolute worst transition on the album, um, maybe with the exception of Prelude to Survival. Well, some people might construe that as working. In any case, uh, Liquid State un- unsustainable. I I I thought that was a horrible transition. It's well, the single. The single they decided to make the second to last track. The, the last two law. Uh, the last two tracks were uh, both entitled Second Law colon. So it was Second Law unstable, uh, unsustainable, and then Second Law isolated system. These tracks were. It's it's hard. It, it's they're the two sides of the same coin. They were both. Instrumental tracks, That's, more or less. There was a little bit of singing, but yeah, it was. There's what well, they weren't lyrically driven. It was more like there was text oh, yeah. during the song as opposed to singing had sound bites. Yeah, yeah. because but, you heard the lead singer a little bit in Second Law, but it was definitely it was definitely sound bites. Unsustainable was a great intro to something techno epic. It was another intro. It was it was hands down another introduction, and. My biggest problem with these two songs is they're so great together. They're so great. And if this was the intro to a different album that was more of the same, maybe they went this instrumental message route, it would have been perfect, these two tracks. 
But the problem is, it, they're at the end of the album, and it's like a separate album I would, again. I would actually put them... I would just tear them apart. These two songs are both instrumental. Neither are completed, and neither of them cl- complete the other. Both of them are just done, and they should go into something else. And also, in Unsustainable, we get dubstep, a whole new side of, uh, <laughs> of Muse. Honestly, Unsustainable should have gone into Madness. Madness should have gone into Isolated Systems. Isolated Systems should have gone to Save Me. And then there should have been a completely different album. You know, it is kind of interesting because sometimes people underestimate how just a little bit of a reorganization can actually save it. But don't don't get me wrong, that would save it by accident because they did probably not conceive the songs in that way. They put them in this order... They are so, therefore, I have to judge it like this. Well, because there's a reason around. that they did that. Production is very important to a record, and, and the producer producer is usually responsible for the track order, especially on mixes. So for this, for sure, like when they were producing this record, they decided, well, this should be first, this should be second, this should be third. So the fact that it's ordered this way and it feels so disjointed, I know, especially really hurts because it isolated system is that soft uh, techno backed. It is a techno beat backed beautiful little soft, uh, love song tune. There's no words associated with a love song, but it's I, that I, little tune that you expect to, to, to have a positive emotional feeling. I borderline accept that as an outro, though. And, oh, I don't even see that as an outro. It's What is it outroing from? Yeah, that was my there problem. No, I agree. It's I would... putting a period on a jumble of letters as opposed to a sentence. It, I, it is I, no I, ending. I agree 100%, like, 100% with that. Yeah, metaphor. I just thought that... that... I agree with John. If 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 unsustainable was some kind of like intro track, and then the you know second law was at the end of the album, or even after a couple songs, like and followed, like it might have worked better. But th- this way, like they work okay together. But I'm st- the more we talk about it, the more I'm st- inclined to agree that they just they're f- they're two songs from another album. Also, like it's just yeah. I think I think those two metaphors really do uh, sum us up. The, the jelly with no donut around it. The jelly with no donut and just littered with crumbs and the jumble of letters with a period, a defined period at the end of a and I mean, sentence. I know that, that John is really not seeming to not be a fan of this album, but I just want to say that I think that with a couple more listens, I might enjoy the album eventually. I might too, because there's enough, there's enough here. There's enough content, from. yeah. But I just don't know. But I am definitely disappointed with it, and it's definitely not as good as I expected it to be. It's just... I feel like they could do so much more. Uh, you know, I also would say this is probably a musical compilation. Uh, oh, there's barely with, an with, arc. No, no, but yeah, a musical compilation with with a a lyrical arc, a message, a theme. They they do have a very distinct societal comment here, which but, John notices perhaps more than we do. But I mean, it, it's kind of really clear and unsustainable. But you, this is a Save the Planet album. But you would but in also, such a loose sense. Right. Well, you had also said though that if it's only the lyrics that's holding it together, that's a that's not, not enough for me. That's not. I don't look at the lyrics and it's, first, and it's I not look at the music. Right. Well, also you don't. I mean, some songs start with lyrics, but most songs start yeah. with the music. So if if you're relying on the lyrics for this connecting piece, a lot of times it's going to fall short. And that's not to say it can't be done, but usually the lyrics and the music link everything everything together, not just the lyrics. Yeah. And all, the lyrics are usually filled with uh, innuendo is also double double meanings. Um, I think there's a lot of that going on here, too. The lyrics probably are a saving grace for this album. Oh, yeah. The ah, lyrics are, are no. very... Really? I'm going to argue on, on that. The lyrics aren't very good in the later half of this album. They're uh, pretty boring, they're not very inventive, and they're quite repetitive. I mean, just in, in terms of it tying it together. Yeah, it's the oh, only the me- thing. message. Yeah, yes, yeah, the mess. That's yeah, but only the message. I they're mean, not, the rest they're of not, it is actually not particularly poetic. No, no. certainly oh, not. Oh no, 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 no. Especially after coming from from last week. Yeah, no. The, these lyrics are bad. I wouldn't say they're bad. They're well, just definitely not as poetic as they could be. Some, people, no, you know, some are actually bad. I, honestly, I found myself being a little offended during Explorers at the way they were phrasing and what they were saying. Not because I disagree with their idea of saving the environment, but they're just rude about it. And well, not in a tongue-in-cheek kind of way, more in a self-important kind of way. I would bet you a uh, substantial sum of money that they're a band that really come up with the lyrics as an afterthought for the crazy sounds that they brought to the table. Hey, what did you come up with? Whoa, crazy. Let's put this together and see what we get. Uh, see, and I, then it's kind of like, all right, let's put in lyrics now. I'm inclined to disagree. Thank Well... So t- many instrumentals, though. But take Starlight, one of their older songs. Starlight is a beautiful romantic song. 
There's no way the lyrics could have come second from that because the lyrics just work so well with that song. Perhaps, but I do think they're composers more than they are songwriters. I could, I and, would, and in this particular case, uh, contrary to my usual um, you know, promotion of composing over songwriting, right. in this case it hurts them. They could have done that, well to include a little bit more songwriting here. No, I'll agree. I, I think I'll agree that in this album, I don't feel like Madness is written with, with, with lyrics as a second thought. It just works too well for the lyrics to be a second thought. Yeah, maybe I'll give you that. Maybe I'll give that. But but there are definitely songs that Liquid State. It's clear that they made these great harsh, these great, these interesting harsh sounds, and then said, "Let's put lyrics over it." It's completely obvious in Liquid State. That that's for sure, mm-hmm. and and some other songs too. Like yeah, just, I'll, I'll withdraw that a little bit. It probably is a healthy mix of both, but. Um, but there are definitely tracks where I think you are right. I think yeah. that you do hit the nail on the head. Yeah, they they are they seem to be concerned with the uh, the sound bite, the 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 little few chord riff that sounds so introductory, you know, that it it brings out the epic quality of the piece itself. And then once you're through with it, where do we go now? I think that for me, they kind of just wing it. The thing that makes it really hard for me is that I I love Muse's discography and all of their albums. While they've had their ups and downs, I love their albums. And this one just seems like such, so, just so different and so disorganized by comparison. Because even though a lot of their other al- older albums ha- didn't have an overarching arc, they had. <laughs> yeah, I know. A bit repetitive. <laughs> they they had they had mini arcs within the album. And then an overall kind of musical theme kind of pulling it together or a sound that pulled it together. Yeah. Whereas this, they're miniature arcs, but they're so micro. Like, Prelude is an arc unto itself. It's one song that doesn't even go with anything else as an intro. It's a great, strong intro track if it were on a completely different album. But for this, it's just so micro, so by itself that it has no place on this record. Yeah, there's any, any number of theories here that could go. And I stress that they are theories which means that, you know, maybe they, they skimped a little bit on the organization of the songs because they were their own producers. That means a lot more work for them. They had to go... There's definitely a lot of effort going into the micro work here. Yeah. Like, every little instrument is is so well composed into the next. It's just the songs as a whole, some of them don't really fly, and the album as a whole really doesn't fly. It's, over, it's overproduced and uh, as a on a song scale. As song yeah. by song, at, at points is even overproduced, and it's ne- and it's neglecting on the album scale. It's it's uh, also I think the same way that I had my issues with Menomina. I, I feel like they got their idea, their ego, in front of the music, and yeah. it did hurt the overall not just the message of the songs. We'll forget that part, but the overall songs themselves as a whole were injured because I felt like. They couldn't cut anything, or they couldn't slow down, or they couldn't, you know, maybe drop out the piano here because they've got something great going on with the guitar, but they're overshadowing it with the bass because they can't do this, and they want to do that. I'm they... not talking about, you know, that, that individual stuff I, I thought was decently done here. I think it's more like the section-to-section section of the song that I wasn't down with. That's the same sort of thing. Like, like they you... wouldn't return to something with as much uh, force to provide context. They it's would like... just go into something else. Yeah, because because they found oh I tried this out last night. Well, we're gonna put it at the end of the song. Yeah, I know yeah. it doesn't this connect, but we're gonna cool. put it there. I want it on the album. Yeah, uh, it's they they maybe would have been, but would have benefited because if if they had another person listening to it who was not doing the music, who was separate from them, maybe a producer would have helped them. It, yes and no, because I mean, it's tough because I always feel that artists once they get a good grip and. Honestly, I mean to be upfront, I didn't check the, the 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 previous albums, but they may have produced the last album also, or the album before that. I mean, we didn't really check that, so that's I, not. I'm, I'm inclined to believe this is the first, but I will double check that right. and, and correct myself if. if but correct. speaking to just this album specifically, I, on an individual level, there are plenty of songs that I like. I don't feel that it's terribly, uh, terribly crafted in a sense of on the song to song level. You know, I definitely feel that there are some discrepancies, but definitely on an album level as a whole, it's it's just disjointed. It doesn't work, and it's disappointing. You know, because you expect a. It takes me back to you know Green Day or Mute or Maroon Five. You can't help but be disappointed because you have expectations. If you know a band and they have a history, you have expectations. Well, I want to put just one more idea forward because we do talk a lot about how an album on a first listen, is going to grab a listener. 
like, uh, or how a piece of a song might grab a listener and, you know, draw them in and make them want to buy it, because that is a good thing to consider. And because there are so many cool sound bites, I'm going to just suggest that this album will still do that. It's it, Look, for me, when we listened to the first three tracks, when we got to Panic Station, and we're halfway through Panic Station, I loved the album. I thought, oh, this album's great. I had, I had said to John, as a joke, I was like, I don't know if my credibility can handle another five. Because <laughs> I feel like giving out too many fives, you know, of course, so, as long as I stick to my skill. But it was a joke. But then after Prelude, it just, it, it was so obvious that... Yeah. Well... <laughs> So, I just... <laughs> some degree. <laughs> right. But it definitely lowered my rating of it. And it's because of how it's, it's put together. And it's just, I mean, why it's this way is all speculation, obviously. We have to work with what we have in front of us. So, I think we should move forward and just kind of wrap up how we feel about it. I mean, I'll start. And this was... Well, the only thing is I just want to be aware of, like, the hypocrisy there. Because while we're looking at... Um at how the album is going to reach a listener, uh, we do kind of omit the second listen, the third listen, stuff like that, because we're just talking about the first listen. Yeah. But some of this stuff, theoretically this album, could have a more complex structure than we can actually gather from the first listen. So the hypocrisy is us balancing that uh, grabability versus our study of context. But also keep in mind, if people are coming to us for a review, they trust us, to give how we feel about it on a we, first we, level. We hope you trust us. <laughs> but that's my point. Because <laughs> you wouldn't be listening otherwise. Right. My point is is that if, if we're reviewing an album, it's it's our... It, it's, it's it's a gut shot. That's yeah. what we're giving you. The it's first a, yeah. gut impression of how we, well, we view this album. Okay. We're, we're not idiots. We try to not think we're idiots. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Um, but, but, not, not me. but in closing, for me... It's just... it's it, This was a tough one for me. And usually I don't really struggle to wrap up an album... Because, you know, I've, I'm very confident, confident in my scale and how I rate it and what, what grabs me. But this album as a whole wasn't emotionally devoid. I feel like I just didn't have enough time to develop emotionally. Every time I started to feel something... That's why I put forward the second listen, third yeah. listen, maybe change it for you. Yeah, it's know. possible. But on a first listen, I just didn't, I didn't get that connection. I started to with certain songs, but definitely as a whole, it didn't get me there. So, so rating? There are definitely four and five star songs on here, or, or definitely four, or definitely four star songs, definitely five star parts. Um, yeah. Um, but as a whole, it's just there's emotional connection is too big for me to ignore. You know, with other albums, even if I don't fall in love with it, I connect on some level or I can relate to it. And this album, I just couldn't do it. There was just not enough for me to grab. That's not to say other people won't, but for what I was looking for, I just, you know, I started to get it in the beginning and then it fell off. So it was, it would have been a three, but because I do like certain songs and there are certain songs that I really did love on this record, it bumps it up to a three, five for me. I feel like it, it could be better. It's definitely not perfectly average. I feel it's a little of the average because Muse did clearly work hard on parts of this and they did focus on sections but it's just it's n not there for me you know it definitely fell short so it's a 3.5 for me 3.5 all right well the interesting thing here is that while i do value emotional connection i did realize that i don't particularly go to muse for that in particular i'm going to, to hear uh, cool sounds they're they're great composers and i i will actually say after all we said today they are brilliant at what they do so i i'm going for I'm going for the music. I'm going for something that's really fun. You can get into it, and that's that. And I think that would constitute a, you know, uh, upwards four or five album for their earlier work. Uh, as far as this is concerned, context is just something you can't ignore. Um, the ironic thing is they did make up for it with the first emotional song I've ever heard from Muse, which was Save Me. All I can say is I hope that they will go in that direction at some point in the future. I hope they realize that that is... Well, for my tastes, that is the best of their work on this album. I love the epic. I'm down with it, but it, it epic is is uh, only helpful with the context of a story, and they're lacking a story, so it's just sounds. I gotta put this in the. Um, I'm definitely putting it in the three range. This I would never give it anything below a three because there's just there's too much good. They're too good at what they do, but they needed an idea, so I might actually. 
I'm probably going to hike this up to 3.6. Just a little bit better. 3.7, maybe. What's your weird numbers? Three, three and a half, four, four and a half. Everybody else is easy. We've all done it before. We've got to get a calculator. It's in the high threes. Be- before, but uh, it's not quite a four. And a quick sideboard before John gives his uh, rating. Um, fun drinking game. Drink every time one of us says epic this podcast. Keep that in mind. John, go. All right. You tell now. If you're playing the game. <laughs> yeah, start the game now. we got 20 minutes if, left. No, okay, if you're going to start the game, let's play catch up. Epic, 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 epic. We right. listen to us. Get now two that, hours of us. Now that you're properly let's drunk. Um... This, the, okay, the movements of songs were properly produced. They were gorgeous in little dosage. Uh, the actual songs, for the most part, left me feeling unsatisfied, unfulfilled, and just unemotional. I really took very little back from this this album. There was no actual reinvention of anything here. It was just intelligently written and poorly executed. I do believe it was new, though. I believe there was a lot of new stuff. Maybe. Maybe not. It just wasn't new stuff in the right direction if it was there. I just... I didn't like it. There was... There was... That, that, nah. that I think, is actually great. There, I didn't like so much of this and what direction they went with. I, I would just disagree with you. I know you're going to give your uh, your track... I mean, your... Your rating, but I would just disagree with you on terms of new direction or, or a direction you don't like. You 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 can you can say that for your own purposes, but I think these are uh, plenty of, gener- of of directions that I'd be very happy with. Thirteen, to be specific, there are thirteen tracks in the album. And there are thirteen mm, different directions. Some of the directions All of them that could be very interesting, and the one I would mainly hope for is "Save Me." Okay. I won't say there's 13. Save Me and Madness felt yeah, like yeah, two yeah, very right. a distinct little, a little, things. A little bit less because there are some crossovers. Yeah. Madness and Save Me were very distinct in their sounds, and either of them could become the basis for great records. Sure. I just say to Muse, if you want Survival... to write a movie, write a movie. <laughs> okay. But Survival, Follow Me, Animals, Explorers, Big Freeze, Liquid State, Prelude, Panic Station, Supremacy. So many of these felt like they were just taking a hodgepodge of Prince, Freddie Mercury, U2, tossing in a little bit of heavy metal, a little that, bit of this. They were, they were merging so many things, and it just became cluttered. It became incoherent at parts, and it really left me unhappy. Okay, maybe that's not one of my directions, Drew. I don't think <laughs> I'd prefer them to go in that direction. Very because hot. it has been done. It really has been done to death. And it was very hodgepodge. Yeah, it felt like the last twenty-five years of music being thrown together at parts. But there's other stuff here which could be great. Exactly, there was unsustainable, isolated system. Save me, madness. These were gems, and I think they're even better in my eyes because of what's around them. But you have to do it as a whole, and this is a very take it or leave it album. This is a three. We I... rate we rate albums. We don't rate songs. Mm-hmm. Rating songs would take a lot. There's a couple longer. of four here. Yeah. There's a quite a few twos here. This is uh, honestly, if you like Muse, you might like it. If you like a little bit of techno, a little bit of rock and roll, you'll love this album. <laughs> I, I think that in closing, if you're a Muse fan, I think you should check it out because it's worth listening to. If you're a fan of Muse, if if you're not a fan of Muse, this might and you're looking for something something new to try then you might want to give it a shot too otherwise like if you're if you're just kind of a mainstream kind of rock goer you might want to pass this one by I don't think it's going to grab you did you give a number John or did you yeah he, three. he said oh, three, okay, okay. It's three. He, did, he did say three it's take it or leave it yeah yeah that's uh, about as much as to say about this mm. um, it's all sad yeah it, it, it definitely is um, but you know I mean not everything's going to be you know what you expected um Moving on, though, uh, we were talking a bit earlier today about music's effect on TV. Um, John had brought up um, a discussion that we can start with and see where it goes about how there are shows on specifically music that are both a betterment and a detriment to our society. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking mostly about the X Factor, The Voice, America's Got Talent, Britain's Got Talent, uh, American Idol. These songs that showcase not just music, but talent in general. And some of them are just kind of a showcase of God knows what's out there. And some are... It's tough for me with reality TV, personally, because I don't like reality TV as a whole. There are some exceptions to that statement that will prove the rule, but all in all, I just feel like it's a lower form of TV. Well, 
<laughs> John or me? Uh, let me go first. I got some. Okay, okay, go ahead. There are some shows that are on 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 reality television that I do find to be interesting. Um, like America's Got Talent. It's nice because it's people just showcasing their abilities, whether it's dancing, music, to poetry writing, to, to, to all sorts of weird things. Like if you could, if you think it's a cool thing to do, you do it on a show like that. Yeah. And you're not judged. You're judging your ability to do your thing, but you're not. You're not treated the way some other reality shows are, which tends to make it more fantastical than it actually is. It takes music and it's more exploitive than anything else, both for uh, the people themselves and for music in general. They're they're trying to dramify where there's no drama. Hmm. Well, I, actually, yeah, you kind of covered what I was about to say there. I, we might as well just lay it on the table here. There's kind of two schools of thought uh, going on about these types of shows. One, of course, that they really do bring people from the bottom up. People who might otherwise never have gotten noticed now can get noticed and uh, actually become full-fledged celebrities where they can actually get full-fledged record deals and give them a chance to pursue their art uh, with all the backing they require. Then the other is that it's just put on purely for the producers. It's really kind of a gimmick than anything else. It makes good television and it is uh, exploitative, as we said before. Um, that said, let's hash this out, which or which. Well, I think that, I mean, I don't, I obviously don't watch a lot of these shows, so I can't speak to their whole arc. We've all seen a few, we've all seen enough to know. But one show that I do think I, I really like the idea behind it is The Voice, because first of all, the judges on it, and I did finger quotes, although in this case they are actual judges, these are people who can sing, and no good singing. I mean, CeeLo Green, Adam Levine... Uh, Christina Aguilera and I forget the country singer who's also the other judge actually yeah the voice the voice actually specifically has judges who know how to sing who have Christina Aguilera just, for, for, for better or worse on her career arc she, the girl can sing that, that was never in question yeah she was oh yeah that's the she can definitely sing and I mean CeeLo Green is one of my favorite modern non-rock artists because I just he's a he, to me he's a return to 90's R&B which I thought was some of the my favorite R&B sound. Yeah, with a modern spin to it, which is really original. Um, I've never quite heard anybody with But that's voice. a show where I like it because these these singers, their chairs face away from these people, so they're not judging on looks. It's just the person's voice. And then they buzz in when they want them on their team. And then they compete. And I think that's really... I mean, that really proves that it's not about... Yeah. It's about the quality of the person singing. In many ways, the it. voice is really the answer to American Idol and corrects all the uh, the criticism that American Idol has received. Well, I, I find one of my criticisms of American Idol, while uh, I have not seen the most recent seasons, last two, well, what's ever going on now and the previous one, historically they do pop music. That's that's what they do, and they tend to go for a pop voice, which actually means that you're you're losing a lot of different talent out there. The voice is just looking for ability. Yeah. Are you a country singer? Are you rock and roll? That's why they actually have judges from a variety of things. While American Idol and um, it's British equivalent because, you gotta remember, anything that's in the U.S. is usually done in the U.K. at the same time. And yeah. vice versa. I mean, so we got America's Got Talent from Britain Got Talent existed first. Like there's Voice and Voice UK. Yeah. You're, you're just, if you're just looking for pop... It's, you don't have to really look too hard, which is why you get you know thousands and thousands of people on American Idol. But it sort of becomes a dog and pony show. You, you just trot it out <laughs> to do certain things, to be certain ways, and it really isn't looking for people with you know talent, but yeah. more people who's marketable. It is, it is keeping up appearances. That's pretty much that it. brings me to another show also um, that we forgot. That has music to do with it, although it's not about these people. Well, I guess it could still be about musical ability, is uh, Dance with the Stars. And it's the show where celebrities pair off and they compete against each other, creating these some of some of them really great dance routines. If you ever want to see Thor dance, Chris Helmsworth was on it in its early run. And uh, actually, Chris Evans has brought it up on talk shows they've done together, and it's very and, funny. And that's less of a show with an agenda behind it. That actually is really just for pure entertainment. Yeah. Because, you know, celebrities already have celebrity status. Which I can so, get on board with. Because it's really just to see if they can do something else. And, and sure. It, it's fun yeah. watching the uh, giant 450-pound football guys tango. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's enjoyable. I, f- I remember it was like one of the first it's... seasons of it. Master P, <laughs> so, uh, a rapper, um, who is definitely like upwards of six feet, uh, seven feet. He, uh, he was a bit fumbly up there, but it was entertaining. And everyone yeah. knew it was going to be entertaining. But that show, a show like he that He had a is... sense of humor about himself. Yes, that show is pure entertainment. Whereas, whereas, and a show like American Idol is entertainment being marketed as something else as this kind of great system for finding talent when it's really not I don't feel when compared especially to The Voice or America's Got Talent no American Idol is looking for marketability and that's why people vote instead of the judges right people voting uh, people who watch American Idol are going to be looking for the type of music they're singing anyway what better poll are they possibly going to get to see what people like than the people who voted most for this one person so instead of they're, they're, they're looking for the people who actually are sellable they're not looking for people who have skill i mean still one of my fa- one of my favorite things is even though i don't watch america's got talent Bird's got talent when it's on i love those moments where the next day on youtube there's a thousand videos of this person person a who maybe is not the epitome of what's considered beauty by society standard or they just look you know different or they dress differently or whatever and then they come out and they show off this talent that's just insane and 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 uh and i love that i mean like susan boyle susan boyle was this woman who came out and she was you know shorter kind of stocky this this build that you wouldn't expect this vo- uh, a beautiful voice to come out of and yeah. you know people prejudged i believe simon says something before she even sings and then she belts us this beautiful song and simon's jaw is literally on the floor and, and was, i love moments like that, that that was a real uh that was a real win for um for the public, for there was also a gentleman who was—I think he must have been 13 or 14—and he had this big weird owl curly style hair, and he was kind of heavy set and wearing like a t-shirt and jeans. Came out and sang out, sang this huge Pavarotti style opera that was gorgeous that he'd never and he had never sang before for anyone, yeah, only for himself. And like there wasn't a dry eye in the house. Well, that said, I do think that. For all the criticism that American Idol has received, they—it's not just the winners that actually get um, get records signed to them. Because the thing is, once you're in the top twenty-four, top twelve, most people know you at that point. You're you can, watching every single week go by, and you're getting something in the musical industry when you're out of this anyway. Exactly. So, in many cases, there's been you know the the number one winner is more forgettable than the guy who got voted out at, at uh, sixth place or something like that. You know, Chris Daughtry was one of them. Yeah, but they also, they make, they make, they try and make money off of those guys too. I mean, remember, William Hung had an album and William Hung was not a good singer. He was not a good musician. Yeah. It, co- it was all covers. Just like, what people remember. And it's and, not like, I'm not the type of person to say a band sucks if they have talent because I don't like them. Because I hate, I hate that. But, you know, William Hung, clearly has no musical talent. He just doesn't. Could he learn? Sure, maybe. But he had no talent. It was a joke that they tried to market. And I I hate that. I hate that so much. It's one thing if you know your joke and you're in on the joke. But to this day, I don't think he was in on the joke. Maybe now he is. But at the time, I really don't think so. I really think that he thought he was something. One of those societal mysteries. (laughs) I'm sure somebody knows. I'm but. sure he's... I mean, I'm sure he's been interviewed, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure we can find it, but it's just, yeah. it, you know... Well, this, this actually kind of blends into last week's discussion on uh, on celebrity status and what it can give you. I mean, really, yeah. that that's American Idol to a nutshell. Well, to, I mean... The, to a T. And the, well, this started with MTV. MTV, when they did their VJ searches, usually first place would be VJ for a month, but second place and third place got long-standing careers because yep. they had this... Like Pete Holmes is he used to work on MTV. He's he's a, a TV personality. I think he's hosting Attack of the Show now after Kevin Pereira left. And he was big on MTV when the winner that year was this guy Jesse, this tall kind of stoner esque looking guy with spiky hair. But he only hosted for a little while and disappeared. And Pete Holmes had a long career with MTV and he's done other stuff, DVD on TV and and a bunch of other shows. Well, then look at look at uh look at the the music. Uh, what's it called? The music shows. The the discovery shows where they're trying to find the next big hit. Oh, yeah. How many winners be, go on to be that big hit? Ah, well, that's kind of the the irony there, is that in the end you could almost... I'll just play devil's advocate here and say that American Idol in many ways is um, more realistic 
than a lot of these other shows. Like, you know, finding Susan Boyle and finding her true talent is wonderful. It's great. I mean, she obviously has true talent. Um, She's despite... since released an album. Yeah. But how long will she remain popular? How marketable is she on the grand scale? Not everyone is into her type of music. But... And... Well, she did... I mean, as a result of what happened, she did get a makeover and, you know, they... they oh, know, that's right, yeah. Pop, popified her, I guess, if you will. But And, I mean, honestly, though... A lot of these people, I think, will be... They'll it's be appreciated, tri- in a way, I They'll guess. be trivia questions. They'll be... They're, pop, they're cemented in pop culture, I'm pretty confident. Because these shocking moments always linger. Will she be a one-hit wonder? It's too soon to say. I think she only has one album. But she's def- she was definitely popular for time. And she's definitely going to be a, a trivia question somewhere. That's for sure. Well, this is what you said about that guy, Psy. You know, the guy who... Our song shot for, for Gangnam Style, right? Yeah. Is that he looked like it's just an average guy singing a pop song and go... He can make it, and there's clearly many of other you know average looking people out there who can make it. Yeah, and um, and obviously we're we Meatloaf is a heavy set guy, but everybody loves Meatloaf. When we say average, obviously we mean average by society standard. Yeah. I mean you know that whole we're not thing. we're really not pointing fingers. Obviously, like as being on this podcast right here, I would love to see truly talented people of of any of any caliber you know reach the top. Absolutely, and and I I think that's what drew me to Sai was the fact that I watched this video and it was so bizarre and funny for a video but he was also this guy who looked like he you could see him in any like business you know at a desk in korea and and i like that i like that difference you know it's nice to see things like that and meatloaf is a great example of that um i think it's safe to say that these shows are i don't think they're clearly a de- only a detriment i think that they have, they have pros and cons like anything else they've in done society. positive things yeah i will admit that they've done positive things but uh, some of them just need to work on it, and some of them just need to get more popular. But I also think the ones that need to work on it, quote-unquote, they don't want to. I think they want to be where what they are, where they are. I mean, American Idol is very upfront about what it is, you know, yeah, the more you think about it. It wouldn't be around for as long as it is. If it, was. it wouldn't be nearly as popular, though, I, uh, from what I understand, they, I believe their popularity has been waning. Their oh, ratings yeah, have been dropping. Because, you know, after all, people did watch it sort of for the novelty in the beginning. Yeah. And um, now they have competition. And there's so... They have competition, and also we think it's just lost market value. Okay. People have seen it before, they're kind of bored by the, uh, the monotony of it all. How yeah. many different ways can you tell someone that they suck? How yeah. many different ways can Simon phrase it? Yeah, well, he's not there anymore. anymore. But he's uh, somewhere. He's anymore, but he's on other shows. But even people. so, and I actually think that might contribute to be why uh, it's lost its popularity. Because I think much. a lot of people tuned in to see his reactions, it, to Absolutely. see his reactions, and the fact that he was one of the few people who was very upfront and honest about yeah. uh, whether he was mean or not is irrelevant. He was very upfront about how he felt. He yes. may not have been the end all be all, but he was very upfront. Well, business. no, that's the, the other thing is that Simon. Out of all the people I do know from these various shows, Simon is the only one. I know for a fact, produces yeah. these people. He is actually the businessman. Yeah. So I think Randy Jackson also is a producer. Yeah, but not well, like Simon. Yes. Not no, like well, Simon. Decent amount, though. Yeah, he did a decent, decent amount, amount as well. But but anyway, that's, um, that, that's nitpicking at this point. One thing that I think we're neglecting here is, of course, these shows, most of them, do offer a type of music. Now, they have stretched this before. They would always have, like, Country Week, and that was always kind of kind of interesting to see Country Week, Rock Week, and stuff like that, and they go back to pop, and sometimes they do old standards and stuff like that. They they do try to get it around, but there are just some genres that I feel this can never touch, you know, right. just because it is, in the end, this is about a, a solo singer with a backing of some sort. Yeah. There isn't really an Amer- uh, uh, American Idol for bands, for yeah, full bands, not or for DJs, even. Yeah. I don't think so, they've had that many details. I, mean, I, I guess have. the big thing that we've been neglecting here is that I, I, that is why I'm personally not as much a fan of these show, shows is because I feel like there'll be no shortage, really, of, of uh, solo singers you know, yeah. with the backing. It's like, I, that would happen. It, it's, it's wonderful to see that happen to people who might not otherwise make it, but it will happen anyway. And I, I guess I'm more interested in seeing some other types getting promoted. I don't know how that's going to happen. Right. These no, shows won't do it. I definitely agree. Um... So yeah, in, in wrapping up for this week, um, I just want to thank all the folks I met at Comic-Con. Um, you, know, uh, you know, I met a lot of fans there of comics and, and music and, and entertainment, and it was nice to talk to some people that I'd never met before that I met online waiting for whatever. Um, you know, uh, thanks, of course, to everyone who's listening. Please 
Email us at crashcordsblog.com with comments, questions, suggestions. Um, please also comment on the website. Um, I, as I understand it, there might there's some issue with downloading on iTunes. I apologize for that, and I'm personally trying to work through it. But you can find all of our podcasts on our website at crashcords.com. So when in doubt, go there. Um, as far as album for next week, um, that's my pick. And uh, I decided to go with after... I had a few in the wheelhouse, but I'm sticking to and deciding to go with No Doubt, their new album, Push and Shove. You have no doubt about No Doubt. Yes. That's nice. Uh, well, I have doubts, but... Oh. But no doubt <laughs> about picking in it, about but doubts it. about the album as a whole. Um, I do like the new single, Settle Down. We'll see how the album stacks up next week. Um, Feel free to follow us on Spotify, and uh, let's try to make this interesting. Yeah, definitely listen along. Um, and as always, music is life, and life is good.